It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Hey folks, the show's called American Loser. You guys know the deal. Uh, my name's KP Burke, and each week we bring you weird and bizarre stories from American history, things that are underreported on or just plain strange. Anyway, we're over at a shared universe podcast studio in Homedale, New Jersey, live at the Bellworks. You guys know the deal, all right? If you enjoy the show, then uh, you know you already know the, the whole gimmick. You pretty much. Yeah, the gimmick's simple. We're gonna, like I said, we're going to tell you these weird ass stories from American history. We everyone, enjoy doing it. Everyone knows it's Kahuna's show. <laughs> Kahuna's show. There you go. Well, like I said, I'm KP Burke. My father, Lawrence Patrick Burke, is here. Say hello, Dad. Hello. How we doing, uh, everybody? And it's it's lose day. Well, it's late actually. I'm sure we're going to get complaints from uh, that one. What's that one woman's name that always complains? Oh yeah, Tristan. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, you can't hurry quality. <laughs> Very. I I actually like that. That fits. So behind the ones and twos is, of course, the big kahuna. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. And if anybody complains about a late episode, tell them to send them to the complaints department. <laughs> <laughs> he is holding up his fists, ladies and gentlemen. Because everyone knows if they know me, I can squish them <laughs> with <laughs> one hug. <laughs> yes, the squid game is based off of something kahuna likes to do to people. <laughs> so. We are. Uh, I'll tell you what, we'll dive right into this one. Uh, you guys, like I said, we have some... Uh, Regular listeners, we have some new people that are in here, and we like to just kind of illuminate strange tales from American history. Dad, I'm going to go ahead and say this guy, he fits the bill. Oh, he fits the bill for sure. He's, uh, you know, is he a winner or is he a loser? Well, that depends on your view, your viewpoint. Well, we're gonna, uh, I'll tell you what. Yo, it's going to be a good one, too, because we're going to start this episode off sounding offensive, but not meaning to. And then we're going to end this episode not meaning to sound offensive. But being offensive. <laughs> ah, so we're Dave Chappelle this week. Okay. It's uh it's for a larger picture. <laughs> the true offense in this story is actually the crux of the story. So you make up your own mind as to where you are gonna draw the line here today as the listener. I'm excited. I, I want feedback on this one. Jeff Quinn, go ahead, write to me. Nick Franco, Stu Greenberg, you know, Tyler Price, the regs. All right. I need yeah. the regs out there. All right, James Stiffy. <laughs> Give us the real deal. But we got some great – oh, Debbie P too, Deb Potts. She's uh, uh, gone through the entire back catalog. Really? Oh, yeah. She's a huge fan of the show. We I enjoy talking to her too because she's such a history fan. Um, very, very pleasant person. Um, hopefully not coming to kill me. Binge listener. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, I don't want to have a uh, – uh, <laughs> I don't want to have like a, a weird uh, uh, catcher in the rye effect on her. <laughs> and, Lord. Anyhow, uh, we got a good one for you today here, folks. For starters, there's a college out in Kentucky, Kahuna. There is. A Kentucky. Good old college out in Kentucky, a prestigious one with a great reputation and a deep, deep well of glorious alumni. You saw some of the alumni list of this place, uh, Lawrence Patrick. Yes, I did. You were impressed as well, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, it's pretty good. I can't think of another school that would have this many statesmen and famous people here. Uh, how glorious is this list of alumni, you ask? Well, it features famous graduates. Well, actually not a graduate, but famous um, uh, occupiers, I suppose. <laughs> Attendees. Attendees, that's right. 0.0, 0 <laughs> Mr. <laughs> right. Um But anyway, uh, how glorious? Well, it features famous graduates such as Stephen Austin, 
the man who had helped found Texas and also stunned Vince McMahon on Monday Night Raw at <laughs> Madison Square Garden 1998. I'm not going to lie. I really thought that that's who you were talking <laughs> Same about. Same guy? No, yeah. silly. His real name is Steve Williams. Everyone knows that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this school would also house the likes of two future vice presidents, two future Supreme Court justices, and loserception. A partridge in a pear tree. Close. Oh, it's close, buddy. Um, you'll never guess this one. So do I want to guess this one? No, because the last one was a, a rigmarole <laughs> discovery into Teddy motherfucking Roosevelt. So oddly enough, he doesn't really fit into this week's episode, but that's only because he wasn't alive yet. I don't think at the time of uh, some. No, he was alive, but he just he wasn't was alive. You say oddly enough, and I'm just like, we'll see. It's a uh, watch. Watch us uncover something here now. This one's actually another loserception. This school had a president, a president. Of the United States. Nope. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? What do you mean? But there's, but the president. Well, it's, it's states. Hang on. What kind of president are you talking? There's, you can only be the, hang on. Was there another country that was created around this time frame? They tried. Hang on. So Jefferson Davis. No way. The, Wait, are we really, are we talking about JD? Well, we did one. Actually, you weren't here for that one. That was a Mike Zapsic special, actually. He was our sound engineer. We talked about good old uh, Jefferson Davis. Yeah, okay. so there was, there's already a loserception there with, with this uh, alumni of uh, that glorious, prestigious college from uh, the woods of Kentucky. Go ahead and unveil. Now, keep in mind, like we said, folks, this college is located in the woods of Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, to be more uh, specific. What's the name of the school, Dad? Uh, oh. Transylvania. Transylvania College. Yeah. You, what? Said, you go in there, Kahuna? You go in there? <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah. Transylvania College. If for some reason in Kentucky, makes you think of, uh, I don't know, that whole Dracula thing, Loserception, yeah. Bram Stoker. I was going to say the cheerleaders really want to suck your blood. It's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> That's part of the cheer. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. It is crazy to have a school called Transylvania College out in the middle of Kentucky. I was not prepared for that part of the story. Um, again, also something kind of cool here that the school is known, uh, as a nickname. The nickname is, uh, again, this is where it's problematic by today's standards. Yeah. Um, uh -oh. There is a little different connotation to yeah, it. Yeah. I did a couple of years over at old transy. <laughs> That's what they okay. used to call it. Transy, old transy you. But uh, short again for Transylvania College, quite the ominous name for a middle uh, for a school out in Kentucky. Again, makes you think about Dracula, lose reception to Bram Stoker. Who was there any reason it was called that? Like, is did you ever delve into the history of that? Like, was it founded by someone with just that happened to have that last name? I'm curious. I well, well there's a little bit of. Um, Perhaps maybe there's some foreshadowing in that. I mean, well, there uh, is, a, I think, uh, a bit of a dramatic uh, uh, influence, uh, early pioneers kind of a thing. So you're taking the name of some of the some more familiar places from back home. Uh -huh. Well, a couple of good, uh, like we said, a deep, deep list of alumni over here on this one. And something else I just wanted to mention, oddly enough, and again, this is almost the end of the loserceptions here for me, at least the ones to set us up for success today. But uh, there's a... A very famous novel that uh, a major portion of it, this novel is written by a guy by the name of uh, Robert Penn Warren. His novel is called uh, All the King's Men. And a big part of his story takes place at Transylvania College. Um, and the weird topic that uh, this book happens to be about, it's a, a fictitious person that they you know came up with who's maybe based on a real person. 
And uh, Kahuna, I don't think you'll guess it, but uh, just in case you do, uh, he um, was. No. <laughs> it, it ain't even. It's, no. I'm, my guess ain't going to be there. Well, what is it? Well, uh, let's say that there was a guy who was running the uh, Southern politics, almost like a little bit of an emperor. No. The very first Patreon episode we did on this very show, um, The Kingfish, Huey, oh Huey Long, folks. Huey Are Long. you serious? Yep. Yeah. So this novel is written uh, about him and takes place, a major part of the story takes place at uh, Old Transy. <laughs> Old Transy. So, anyhow, That's Dave Chappelle's next special. <laughs> anyhow, this creepily named school in Kentucky has one alumni that's going to stand out amongst the rest, and that is not easy to do based off the list, but bear with us. Dad, it's time to introduce the folks to today's loser, Dr. Joseph Nash McDowell. Dun, 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 dun. What'd you know about this guy before we got into the topic for the episode? Nothing. Well, we both watched a pretty good uh, video. <laughs> by, uh, <laughs> Nothing. His honesty is upsetting. But <laughs> Where's the lie? It's one of those uh, deep-seated, uh, deeply hidden uh, people from American history that, uh, you know, he comes from a long line of famous famous folk. I mean, he's come comes good stock, but uh, I never really heard of this guy until uh, until I mean, and I think the Transylvania College kind of fits the fits the bill here too. That uh, oh, it's there. Some of the some of the goings on with our good Doctor Joseph Nash McDowell. But, so uh, what happened? All right, I'll ask this. We'll ask Kahuna to set this up for us. Kahuna, um, Transylvania, <laughs> first thing that pops into your head. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Sorry. Dracula, right? Yeah, Dracula, 110%. Dracula, based off of Vlad the Impaler, mm -hmm. right? Vlad the Impaler, known for uh, some very gross things that he did with uh, dead human bodies in order to uh, showcase that, uh, hey, maybe you don't want to come around here and mess with us. Right. Spikes on the head, mm -hmm. uh, just just to name one. Slow impalings that started, uh, I think we covered it, the, the impaling started in the ass and then eventually it would work its way out through your head. It right. was pretty gross. Yeah, and drinking blood. Well, there's all sorts of things about that. <laughs> yeah. He was a quirky fella. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to close the deal with the goth girl. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will say this, though, uh, this good old, uh, as he will later be known, Doc McDowell. He's pretty strange, man. He's a, a nice boy born in Kentucky in 1805. April 1st, by the way. April Fool's Day. Uh, and uh, good old Doc McDowell, future Doc McDowell, Joey at the time. He chooses not to follow in his father's military footsteps. His father was a pretty accomplished uh, military man. I believe fought in the War of uh, 1812 and I believe fought alongside future president uh, Andrew Jackson. Uh, he also uh, was with uh, old G. Dubs, George Wash, back in the Revolutionary War days. So he's, That's wild. He's, he's a veteran of uh, the Revolutionary War, fighting for... The good guys, not the Tories, but the good guys. <laughs> we and, have uh, English listeners. Please be cool. <laughs> well, to American, uh, to American standards, uh, the good guys. And uh, he also fought in the War of 1812. Which, Dad, where can again, I find out more about that if I wanted to know more? Oh, that would have to be a Patreon uh, exclusive, the War of 1812. Oh, uh, but it's probably all just like, what, one quick episode recapping <laughs> no, everything? That's a, that was a deep dive. I think that was a two-parter. Are you telling me that there's <laughs> – <laughs> yeah. wait a minute. Wait, it's got to cost at least $15 for this, right? No, I think you nah. can probably get away with uh, $3 a month on that one. Three, Just $3? Three, three bucks. What three if bucks, I just wanted – Five bucks? It's crazy. Hang on. What if I want to donate more? Well, you certainly have that opportunity. We we accept uh, all cheerful cheerfully accept all donations, but uh, <laughs> cheerfully accept all donations. <laughs> yeah. Well, hang on. But let me ask one final question. Are you telling me that uh, 
I can still get it for free though during the week. Right, I get three episodes for free every month. Right, and then the fourth episode is just what cost me. It's, it's that's the Patreon exclusive. So what if I don't want to get that? But you also get the back catalog to all the other Patreon episodes. Oh, now you're starting it. Okay, this is making I mean, sense it, to me. It gets better and better. Okay, and I mean, with six, you get egg roll. But <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if you, I do suppose if you don't support this show, though. Are we going to be able to buy Kahuna's love and keep this thing going, or is no, it going to end abruptly? His, his love don't wow. come cheesy. Don't come easy. Don't come cheap. I hear you, man. I'm well, a little insulted, but we'll not, move past that. He's not cheap and he's not easy, but he can be had. But it takes money. I'm easy like a Sunday morning, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back on that. <laughs> I'm going to take that back. <laughs> oh, another another post credit edit, edit work for Kahuna. <laughs> Nah, I'll leave that in. That's not like last week when I did when I oh my god, that was really bad. The yeah, last, well. the last one. Oh yeah. Also, like I said, DM me for his address, folks. Um, <laughs> but right. back on topic here to old uh, Joey McDowell chooses not to follow in the uh, footsteps of his father following a military career. Instead, he follows up with his uncle. His uncle's involved in this quirky world of medicine and surgery. Now, it's not exactly the um, the picture of modern health and modern medicine back then. It's a little bit experimental. Uh, a lot of it's based <laughs> off of lectures, right? You could attend a certain amount of lectures and become considered a doctor. You really didn't get a whole lot of field work yeah, and lab there was, work. Yeah, there was no lab work involved. It was basically uh, sit down and give a listen, uh, attend class, sleep through class, and guess what? You can come away with a, a doctor's uh, certificate. So just like a communications degree nowadays. <laughs> there you go. That's you it. A lot of communication <laughs> majors. Well, if you wanted to put in the time, and it didn't really even require a uh, college education uh, you could just attend a school and it's a, a pay you know uh, pay for schooling kind of a thing pays your money gets your credits but uh, with this you get a certificate that says you're a doctor there is something pretty cool in here that there the americans are able to have so many crazy breakthroughs with this um profit uh or, or pay to play kind of a system that they have for teaching medicine to people and expanding it's almost like a little bit of a, a trend or a seat, yeah, you know, like a bubble or something like that, that uh, they wind up just figuring out, oh, it's very profitable if we charge people to teach them these things. Whereas a lot of the other countries are trying to say, oh, it's going to be a state sponsored school that will teach our, you know, our future surgeons, our future doctors. And uh, I'll tell you what, America does find a way to make a buck just about everywhere. And then we also uncover some pretty cool stuff. And that's what makes this guy stand out so much amongst that list of glorious alumni from good old, old Transy. Yeah, so, no, uh, his uncle... Seriously, he was uh, quite the uh, accomplished physician for the times. I mean, it, it really didn't require you basically just followed some other physician and learned by by watching type of a thing. So uh, but this his uncle, uh, Ephraim McDowell, was a pioneer surgeon. And, you know, you you got to practice on your patients. I mean, they call it the practice of medicine. This truly is the era where you're just practicing because you never had an opportunity to cut into a human body until <laughs> you're actually doing it for your with your patients for the first time. But uh, Uncle Ephraim was um, the the father of uh, the. He actually performed the first of uh, removal of an ovarian tumor, which was like huge at the time. We're talking back in. Uh, early 1820s type of a thing. And, uh, you know, there's no anesthesia. There's no... Well, not no, for the patient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, his patient was actually um, awake through through the operation, which is pretty incredible. 
you know, and, and how much laudanum did you think they had yeah, to throw it? And oh, germs. I mean, germs were haven't really been discovered yet. So, you know, you wipe uh, wipe your scalpel on a on a, a dirty bar rag or something, and then uh, go go at it. But uh, he removed this uh, tumor. I think it was like a twelve pound tumor, which was like un- they thought she was pregnant. It turned out she had uh, this cancerous uh, ovarian tumor that. Uh, he successfully removed, and she went on to uh, live That's for another. Worst gender years. reveal party ever. Is it yeah. a boy or a girl? Humps. It's a yeah. tumor. Yeah, it's a tumor. <laughs> You're a proud dad of a tumor. Is Don't it worry. a tumor? I, I know this guy Ephraim. He says he can cut it out of you on the cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. crap! And it was the first time it was ever really attempted. But Uncle uh, Ephraim was uh, a very famous worldwide kind of a thing, and. Uh, um, you know, he uh, was also one of the first to do this whole uh, abdominal surgery type of thing. And the United States actually uh, did a postage stamp on this guy. That it, he was, you know, he was pretty uh, world trendy uh, kind of a thing. So, uncle, uh, his uncle was a pretty sharp guy, and he did um, study um, old Joey Joseph. Did study under his uncle until it got to a point where. Uh, he started to take on an affection towards his uncle's daughter, and asked for his, his asked for his her hand in marriage. Uh, his cousin? Ma- yeah, marrying your first yeah. cousin was, was frowned upon even even back then. So you don't say. <laughs> yeah. So Cahoon asked me if you were allowed to marry our first cousins. Are we allowed to marry our first cousin? Edgar Allan, no. Wow. Yeah, so but they, it was declined. They, had, they said no. Yeah, right? they they had a falling out over that. But I uh, wonder why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, he uh, Joseph uh, McDowell. Um, he uh, he picked up the pieces and moved on with his life. He's an interesting guy. He never really. Um, it's hard to pinpoint what part of his life you really want to focus on for this story, but I think the early stuff you're talking about is pretty great here. And by the way, just to give you guys an idea of just how quirky this world of medicine and surgery was back then. Picture the show The Nick. Okay, The Knickerbocker, they called it, which was, um, I think that was, uh, that wasn't Gerard Butler. Who was it? It was Clive Owens, right? And he was uh, a surgeon. We have technology. But he was cutting people open, and it was brutal to watch. I can't handle medical gore for my life. Like biology. I can't watch like them taking like a, someone's kidney out in a medical procedure, but I'll go watch someone get their head blown off in a war movie. It just doesn't <laughs> well, bug that's me. a shotgun. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very <laughs> – but anyway, so the show The Nick did a great job of showing just how chaotic this thing was back then. But uh, at the same time, uh, you're now taking it. The Nick takes place in New York City, which is a very highly sophisticated city with uh, all sorts of good stuff going on. But isn't this still the era where there's still shit in the street? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, so, depending on what New York uh, section of New York you're in, there's still going to be shit in the street. I mean, the major uh, way of getting around is by horseback. So, yeah, you're going to have shit in the streets, no doubt. So on top of that now, take everything I just said about New York and this whole medical practice. Now, put it back into Kentucky. Now, I'm not shitting on Kentucky because I've heard it's God's country out there. It's quite beautiful. Um, but I would not be sitting there saying, hey, I can either get my surgery in New York or Kentucky where should I go, Dad? Uh, you would think you're going to go to the big city of uh, New York City, but mm-hmm. uh, you know Kentucky is uh, starting to come around to uh, with all these uh, 
highfalutin colleges like Old Tranny. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, now McDowell has a, uh, he's a very bright student at Old Tranny and he was admired for his intellect, but often raised uh, people like, kind of, I think they were sitting there like, hey, this guy's pretty smart, but he's fucking weird. Yeah. See, I think the word that I kept coming across is eccentric. <laughs> well, uh, to me, one. that word means, I mean, if you don't have any money, if, if you're just a uh, poor working stiff, you're not eccentric. You're nuts. <laughs> You're crazy people. But if you have money or you have a name behind you, then, oh, he's a little eccentric. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been called eccentric before because everyone's trying to figure out, uh, why does this plumber know so much about Greek mythology? <laughs> <laughs> but why don't you? He's got, uh, that's usually how I, yeah, why? That is the question. <laughs> um, but our boy's got some uh, some weird quirks, some strange ideas. He does get his degree, though, and he begins, quote, practicing, as you so uh, emphasized, Father. Yes. <laughs> practicing medicine. And uh, while successful, his quirks are going to begin to come out of the woodwork in uh, strange and fascinating ways. One strange behavior of his was uh, he developed an obsession with an American president. I mean, it would be weird to be obsessed with a former U.S. president, right? I mean, to base 65% of your personality and your content around one guy, I mean, to have art made about him, to have stickers made of a robot version of this former president holding a gun, giving him a slogan, telling you not to F with him. I mean, that'd be weird, right? That'd be... KP, okay. Oh, the coffee's working. <laughs> well, uh, thank God old Doc McDowell was a little weirder than anybody who might be obsessed with Teddy Roosevelt. He's obsessed with a former president, just not T.R. He's obsessed with President Andrew Jackson. So old Hickory, a bit of a character in his own right. And in some ways, in terms of just being a, 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 a big um, gregarious personality, uh, maybe some similarities to uh, good old Teddy in terms of being the, a popular man amongst the people. His father uh, had supposedly fought alongside him in the, again, lose reception war of 1812. Also, McDowell kind of looked like Andy Jackson. A little bit. So it's like, it's like when somebody just said, oh, you know, you kind of look like Andrew Jackson. I'm like, I do look like Andrew Jackson, don't I? What should I do? to uh, This made me feel good. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah, you start dressing like him. You have your hair like him and you're, you're, you're posing. Mm-hmm. Indeed. It's like uh, all the kids that uh, listen to this show, they all dress up uh, with – they have kahuna hair like Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. The kids who dress up as Mahomes in the stands at uh, NFL games. <laughs> Uh, just like the Boz, kids would get the, the mohawk to look like Brian Bosworth back in the day. Well, like we said, thank God, Doc McDowell, he is officially Doc McDowell now at this point, too. Um, he is getting really into the whole military side of things. He's actually, uh, his buildings uh, that he's teaching medicine in, because he's very brilliant with this. He knows how to make, he, uh, one really great video that we saw was to um, that guy, the, the history guy over on YouTube. He does a nice job. Um, little dry. He's a little dry. Yeah. But that's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> a little levity into the whole thing. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, he's getting into the military side of the things, but not like his father was falling into the military. He was taking on the persona of Andrew Jackson. So uh, he's he's a pretty successful doctor. And um, We know the way that they raise the money, though, is what I was going to mention, that um, he's able to pull students in because he's such a big personality and they're saying, oh, you got to see the great work Dr. McDowell is doing. Dr. McDowell's doing amazing things. Right. And, and then people are like, well, let me go attend one of these lectures. How much money is it? So it's like selling tickets. That's right. really what it right. is. You're paying, you're paying to go to the show. Yeah. The circus is in town. It just happens right. to want to make you better. And to uh, attend 
these various medical schools, there was no accreditation or anything else. Just a, uh, a single doctor or a group of doctors would get together and say, hey, you know what? I got a practice going right now and I'm, I'm making some bucks off of this practice and I'm pretty popular um, in my own medical field. But if we get together and have the occasional lecture, we can charge people to come to these lectures and let's create a medical school. And again, there was no... Um, accreditation or no state uh, <laughs> state mandate as to what the curriculum had to look like. And the curriculum um, does become somewhat questionable uh, to, the, to the standards of the time. But uh, yeah, I mean- and, More and, on that in a second. And the, uh, the, the, uh, the popularity of the doctors would really be the, the draw to um, have these these medical schools in. are almost like early wrestling promotions where like, oh, we got to go see. <laughs> they have Ric Flair playing down here tonight, so we're going to go see that guy. Or, and in know. this corner weighing you 120 pounds, ready to kill you in the back of his van, we have Dr. Kevorgan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, my mother asked you not to badmouth Armenians on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no more paklava for you, Kahuna. <laughs> don't, don't say that. That's right. <laughs> But it's important to note here, too, he is getting more and more into this military thing here, and he's making the money. He's a very popular doctor. The success of the continued success of the medical school is based largely off of his popularity and his success rate. And he happens to also be, like we said, Dad, he's, he's taking on this military thing. Uh, you wouldn't expect a military uh, institution and a medical building to be, um, you know, things you could confuse for one another. And yet here we are that this guy winds up putting cannons all over the place. Yeah, he uh, he's collecting muskets. The building that he built for this medical college um, had three cannon placed on the roof, like in ramparts, kind of a thing that uh, you know, in firing position. And he goes out and buys. And I think it was like eighteen hundred um, used um, military surplus muskets. So he's got. He's got a whole armory going for a with, medical school within within the medical school. Yeah. So up top, he's doing the medical school thing. Down below, he's the uh, the doomsday prepper from Tremors. Okay. <laughs> he's got some stuff. There's a couple of muskets on the wall. Yeah. So uh, if if uh, you know people come to question his uh, curriculum, uh, uh, he's got he's got some military backing with his own with his own right um, within his own house. So you know. Little, little different than just having a revolver in the nightstand of the of the bed, but uh, well, yeah. let me ask you this, sir: Why would anyone in that sort of a medical field during this time frame of the eighteen forties maybe have to be able to face the threat of violence? Why would anybody be stopping by in a negative note? Isn't medicine celebrated at all times? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, back in this era. Doctors were not held in the same prestige that they might be today. That, uh, you know, um, these guys, in order to practice, uh, what's the best way of um, learning about human anatomy? Well, study the anatomy of a human, right? <laughs> so, I mean, but to dissect a, a cadaver um, was very, very limited legally as to what you could, where you could gather up the. Uh, <laughs> the uh the specimen if you will the cadaver um good word cadaver meaning the dead body to be experimented to on to be experimented on if you're a cadaver you're not alive that's important right i mean uh um you're not you're not cutting open a frog in biology class in high school kind of a thing you're now looking to open up a human 
the remains of some poor soul that uh, gave gave it up. And now the only legal way of doing that is the lower class element of life, uh, criminal. Um, <laughs> if you were a criminal or, you know, poor destitute pauper's field kind of a thing, uh, that you might be able to uh, gather up a, a cadaver, a body um, for medical, <laughs> call it medical research or medical experimentation. Right. If you're a prisoner and you die in prison, there's a good chance that your body might get sold, whether it be, and here's the whole thing. Now we're entering the idea of the legality of it. Right. So what is, uh, are there proper channels to be getting these dead bodies through? How do you regulate this new weird business? You know, uh, it, it, it's almost like everything else. We're like, oh, well, uh, there's, it's supply and demand. These people want to cut open dead bodies to take a look at it inside, yeah. see what's going on. And legally, we're very limited as to where those dead bodies might um, be coming from. So supply and demand, right? There, so, there's a demand. So KP, what you're telling me is that cadavers were the first NFTs. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, and this whole this whole thing with with doctors has a very long history. Uh, you know, hundreds of years that you know for a doctor to be cutting up. Uh, a dead body that is not only macabre, but it's uh, it's strange. You were going to say macabre. Macabre. Did, <laughs> did I say macabre? Oh, macabre. <laughs> well, it's low carb. Um, not keto. Uh, it's low carb. Low yeah. carbs. Actually, Chris Hollenbeck. All right, of all there, people. Jeffrey Dahmer. Because I think I called it macrobe one time, and Chris Hollenbeck corrected me. Oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> but anyhow, it was very, very limited as to where you legally might be able to get a. Um, a body to cut up to experiment on. And this has been going on for years and years. As a matter of fact, back in 1788 in New York City, so now, you know, one of the biggest cities on the East Coast of the time of 1788, there was something called the Doctor's Riot that um, there was a, a group, you know, a group of doctors that were accused of cutting up dead bodies. And there was a whole riot over it. Um, and it was primarily led by the poor working class and uh, um, former, uh, you know, former slaves or slaves that um, the poor and people of color were not allowed to be buried within city limits. They actually had a pauper's graveyard. Like and a boot a, hill type thing. And a, and yeah. A, uh, yeah, a boot hill type of a thing that was outside of city limits. So if you're going to be looking for a body snatcher, you know, if you're if you're looking for <laughs> a not so willing victim, Coon um, just pictured Donald Sutherland going, oh, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> a different kind of body snatcher. These people are uh, grave robbers. We're gonna grave say. robbers, yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually, that 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 became a you know a business, if you will. That if you got all these medical schools looking for cadavers, and there is no legal supply, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the black market, and and you're going to uh, be selling. Sure enough. Dead people. And, you know, it's uh, actually these body snatchers started to take on a, a nickname as resurrectionists. <laughs> oh, my God. So if you were a resurrectionist, that's just a, a nice way of saying it. Yeah, you're going out and you're robbing graves. So Do you know the name of two very famous um, grave robbers? Over resurrectionists. In, <laughs> resurrectionists. Resurrectionists, I should say. Yeah. Now, they're um, not they're, – they're robbing – do you Graves. know the two famous ones I was about to say? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I feel like you're going to love this because I don't think you know it. I, I know uh, Cahoon's- Dr. Knows. Frankenstein and Igor. <laughs> uh, that's a good uh, fictional version of them for sure. 
um, the two of the more famous uh, grave robbers, the real life people over in England, um, they were uh, the dirty, dirty Irish that were living in England. And uh, they, in order to make ends meet, they started doing uh, resurrection work, okay. we'll say. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, they would sell the dead bodies to uh, Scottish doctors because Scotland was considered more um, uh, learned of the, uh, the the empires, if you will, uh, the, the, the you know, subsidiaries of the uh, British crown. And what do you think a guy by the last name of McDowell might, where his heritage might come from? Indeed, right? Yeah. So that ties in there. Now, the famous two people here who were the, the infamous resurrectionists, I love that term, by the way. Yeah. The infamous resurrectionists were Burke and Hare. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I do know them. Well, there you go. Got to yep. make a buck somehow. Burke and Hare. So, I mean, if you're digging up a body, who knows what you're going to find uh, when they when they planted them in the ground. Could be rings or jewelry or whatever, that uh, there is some monetary value that might be buried alongside with or with the body. And then you're, what are you going to do with the body? Well, it's uh, parts is parts. I mean, you can uh, go sell that to... Uh, to some good doctor someplace. And and all of this, of course, is completely on uh, under the table, on the on the sly, uh, black <laughs> under market. Under the table. <laughs> under the table. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, so, um, you know, you're knocking on the back door and uh, you got some, you got some uh, nearly fresh meat. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh, damn. But that seems to be the gimmick here. So uh, again, this is very, very controversial for them. This is the 1840s. Medical research is often at odds with the moral fiber of a young United States. And who's to say, like we're talking about, that we aren't or are still going through those same problems today? Uh, we said earlier, you can draw the line on your own sense of decency, folks. And at some point, well, half of you are going to go ahead and pick up your markers now. All right? <laughs> <laughs> the use of cadavers is highly controversial during this time. Uh, again, these are the dead bodies that are donated to science for experimentation. Uh, mostly via dissection. Without dissecting these dead bodies, it's entirely possible that we would never develop medicines, practices, even a basic understanding of how our bodies work. So like my the, the great Nate Condit, he wanted to learn how to become an auto mechanic. So what did he do? He bought a fully running car, took it apart, <laughs> and over the next 22 years has tried to put it back together. <laughs> That's right. And when he's done, he will have become master mechanic. There you but, go. Um, but they, that being said here, it's a little bit of a ghastly scene when you watch someone get their guts ripped out with a saw in the name of science. So if you're a person – and again, the biggest thing here, uh, you have a need for dissection. You have to do these studies. You have to learn this shit. You're holding up progress. Right. At the same time, it's a, it's a grim fucking thing here. Right. And, and it's, it's also, also against the law. It's against the law. And why is it against the law though? Well, because the the common folk, not the common folk, but the um, prevailing views of that, that if you're cutting up a dead body, you're um, not allowing them to enter heaven. I mean, that's- There a, it is. It comes back into a- uh, a, a, a religious belief that if you're cutting up a dead body, you're, you're blocking their entry into heaven kind of a thing. It's that whole rest in peace, you know? So sorry for your loss. May uh, may they rest in peace. Well, <laughs> you're not letting them rest in peace if you're digging them up out of the grave and then going and hacking them up. So that was very, very upsetting to a lot, a lot of folks. And at the same time, um, um, within... It's like you've heard of reverse mortgage. This is a reverse funeral. <laughs> there you go. Aww. Yeah. We're actually going to make money by killing you. Yeah. Um, and any any student that's in this medical college 
um, at least under the, the schooling of Dr. McDowell, you have to, before you can graduate, you have to dissect the body. So you got, you know, a goodly number of students that are all looking for a cadaver that they're going to be able to graduate with. So his whole school, all the, all the people in his school are now <laughs> resurrectionists oh, and they're doing Lord. it on the, on the QT, but, uh, you know, they're going out at night and, so, I wanted to be Charlie Brown's peanuts, yeah. by the way, and that the I, I wanted to be like a Charlie Brown resurrectionist, <laughs> and that it's uh you know they're sitting there and, and Linus picks out a, a cadaver and he goes, oh, "It's the worst cadaver ever." No, it's not <laughs> it's, that bad of a cadaver, you guys. <laughs> I, I don't remember figuring some stuff out. I don't remember that episode of This Is America, Charlie Brown. Picking <laughs> <laughs> out a Christmas tree, picking out a cadaver. It's, oh, all, it's all the same. It is the holidays. But folks. anyhow, so uh, that's yeah. what the gray pumpkin was. <laughs> so I mean. Um, McDowell is a very popular uh, teacher. He's, you know, he's funny. His lectures are, are very much entertaining. Uh, he stays strapped. He, <laughs> yeah. And now you got all his students. He's, he's, um, all his students are now in, in looking for a, uh, looking for a body so that they can dissect this thing and, um, you know, graduate, if you will. And, you know, word around the neighborhood is uh, there's some strange shit going on over at uh, McDowell College. Um, Define strange. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it it's rumored that, you know, they're they're digging up bodies. Well, yeah, um, but they can't prove anything. They never really get caught. That's but the other thing. They my, do my, never get caught. It's true. Know, my image is you got all these college, all these uh, students going out at night and um, and forming like a little fraternity kind of a mission kind of a thing. And we're going to dig up some bodies uh, in the dead of night. <laughs> um, you know, there might be some drinking going on. You're, you're doing an illegal thing. You're, you're going to be arrested and put in jail if you're caught. So there's an allegiance. There's a bond being formed between these students with McDowell and between the students themselves that, you know, Hey, you help me dig up my body. I'll help you dig up your body, kind of a thing. And because we'll, they're the only ones that can talk about it, it's right. like Fight Club, but right. with you know <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, some creepy shit here, and like we said, it it has to be if you're not, even if you're studying medicine, you have a desire to learn anatomy. I'm not anti-science on anything like this. I don't know if I could actually do a dissection of a person. Now, a friend of mine. Um, tells a great story about this. And you know what? I will name drop. Fuck it. Chris Stefano, my buddy. <laughs> God, he's getting so famous. Soon he doesn't have to return my calls, but he, he still does for now. We're going to enjoy it while we have it. Uh, I'll be with him at the Basie in March. That's for real. Sweet. Um, yeah. But uh, he was telling a story that he had to do uh, dissection. And at first he was so grossed out by it. And then after prolonged exposure to it, you know, day in, day out, he used to be able to eat his lunch in the room next to the dead body. And then uh, yeah, I think like he had a story about eating a sandwich and a little piece of shredded lettuce fell into a guy and he goes, oh, 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 <laughs> three second rule on yeah, that one. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It's just lettuce. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. But I don't know. Do you think you could do it, Dad? Do you think you could dissect a human body? Eh, that'd be a tough one. That'd be a tough one. Dad, I don't know if I could dig up a dead body. Well, yeah, that's that's also a tough one. Where? Oh, so here's the question then. Where do you. You got to pick one of the two because you're in medical school now. You're you're a young man. You're about to have a family to provide for. You want to graduate this school. You got to pick your. Are you gonna? Are you more comfortable digging up the body, or are you gonna be more comfortable dissecting it 
and then having to keep that secret amongst just your other friends in the room. Because if word got out in town where the rumors are already circulating that this mad, crazy doctor is digging up your dead loved ones so he can take them apart and put them back together, then sending them to hell or at least keeping them out of heaven. Yeah. That's the fever pitch of things that are going on here. So where where do you go? Where do you draw your line? Yeah, that's a, that is absolutely a tough one. And um, the, the religious beliefs of the people within you know the, the school that he's forming is in St. Louis, and there's um, you know a real whole mix of of beliefs there. And there's some uh, Jesuits um, across town that are forming another uh, St. Louis University who are also doing a medical school there. What's and, a Jesuit? Sorry. Uh, that's a, uh, a religious order within the Catholic faith. Dad, go ahead and say your joke. No, that's not you, a joke. It's, it's, no, you know your good joke. J- what, the, uh, what, what, the, the Jesuits are the Pope's Green Berets? Yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were I like one. that. They were intense. Uh, yeah. And by the way, if you ever want to go down a crazy wormhole, Jesuit conspiracy theories are some of the most ridiculous things. It's insane. They think they run the world. So there's already this fear. And again, keep in mind, this is... The big Catholic wave, the Irish Catholic wave, is only starting to arrive, and it's mostly coastal at this point. So that they're still known as papists, right? And we're we're in St. Louis, which will later become known as the gateway to the West. And St. Louis is ex- population is just exploding from a little, really nothing town along the river to um, it, it's booming. I mean, it's like two hundred and fifty percent population increase in a very short amount of time. And we're talking like the 1830s. And along with the Irish, there's also a a very large German population. They're immigrants. So, I mean, it's the the Irish immigrant wave and the German immigrant wave because things were not going real well over in Germany at the time either. So they're escaping um, the... uh, the old European ways of things and hopefully making a new life in the, in the new world and everything else. But there's um, persecution going on here as well. And again, if you're the immigrant, you're, you're the, the downtrodden kind of a thing. So um, there's, you know, where are you, where are you getting your bodies from? Um, you're, again, you're probably going after um, somebody who might not be missed or, um, of a lower social standing that, you know, if they do object to it, nobody's really going to uh, bother with it, uh, you know, uh, pay any attention to you. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's uh, <laughs> the, the, the neighborhood is I'm, not I, happy. I don't like that he laughed as he was about to say, <laughs> yeah, so they would just go after the bodies of the people that you'd, you wouldn't, they would never be suspected of, uh, you know, turning up missing and about to dig up these dead bodies. And then he gives that, that million dollar smile and a laugh. <laughs> I'm terrified, dad. What are you about to tell me? No, it's just, uh, that's, I mean, that's it. I'm not really terrified. Uh, I, <laughs> you shouldn't be terrified with anything. It's just that. You know, the neighborhood is not real happy with uh, old Doc McDowell. As a matter of fact, um, people of color and people of the the Catholic faith would actually walk across the street, across the street to get away from the McDowell (laughs) University, Mm -hmm. McDowell College kind of a thing, just to not even walk past their doors, if you will, the, for fear of maybe you're you're going to be come out and get get snatched off the street. Well, you're setting us up for a pretty good story here, Dad. <laughs> I'll go for it. I'll go for it, man. <laughs> no, no, I, you're doing me a favor on this one. Like we said here, this is the crazy part. Most early cadavers are going to be former felons. In fact, in terms of legality, only five states pre-Civil War will allow the practice of dissection on non-felons. 
So again, a non-felon being somebody who did not commit a crime, a body being donated to science, if you will. Eventually, only Massachusetts and New York will allow this. So that's of the five. And then three wind up repealing it and saying, you know what, we're just not on board with this. In Massachusetts and New York, Massachusetts, because it's such a forward-thinking, progressive place, we're like, oh, we have to figure out these things and learn. And New York, because like, we don't give a fuck about people. <laughs> we got too many of them, so do what you got to do. We got to, we're worried about the living right now. We can't handle the dead just yet. Yeah, plus you have this huge immigrant wave that, I mean, you've got people – Mm-hmm. living in squalor because there's no place for them to go kind of thing. So oh, you're, yeah. you're, <laughs> it's, it's difficult times. Well, the craziest a hu- I'm sorry, but there's also a huge anti-Catholic sentiment within the country as well. Well, you said it before, the papists, that they're not to be trusted because they might be uh, vowing their they allegiance. They take their orders from a wizard in a pointy hat. Yeah, that lives over there, over there in Rome, someplace. So yeah, that they weren't to be trusted, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's just another separation, if if you will. But and McDowell is of the old school of the uh, the navis, if you will, the, the natives that uh, you know you're looking upon this immigrant wave. That we're talking about the uh, uh, the political party that was the the know nothings. Uh, it, it's the same the same era, the same um, climate, if you will, with amongst the people. Oh yeah, it's a, a wild and tumultuous time here in the country. And like we said, just in his specific area, this doctor has a reputation that precedes him. If you think he's pretty cool, um, if you're a, a fan of his, you're blown away by. It. You're like, oh my god, Doc McDowell is here. I can go learn from Doc McDowell. That's amazing. This guy's prolific, right? And if you're hearing about him otherwise, like you know, this Dr. McDowell guy, he cuts up dead bodies. Sometimes he just he'll dig up your loved ones and he'll perform experiments on them. And someday when you die, there's nothing stopping him from doing it to you. So that's how you get the fear people going on in this one. Sure. It causes, like you said, several riots around the country. Violence and disdain are going to become a regular thing on medical school campuses. Cause it's kind of weird because as we said, in order to graduate your class taught by McDowell, your coursework right. taught by McDowell, you had to dissect a human body. That's your final exam, I what, guess. <laughs> what does it say about you if your final exam is illegal? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Kahuna, what would you do if in film school you're sitting there and, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, let's say you take a crash course with Kevin Smith and it starts off with him teaching you a bunch of cool stuff and at the very end, he hands you a gun and it turns into training day and he tells you you have to go inside and go go handle something for me. Snoochy poochies, boss. <laughs> I didn't know you get wet, Kahuna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Dead bodies are sometimes being dug up and sold illegally to these medical schools, okay? And again, this is the way your riots are coming in here. Uh, and again, our boy McDowell's a very uh, quirky guy. All of a sudden, though, with this potential for violence and the growing reputation and maybe the uh, level of discomfort amongst the town folks, all of a sudden, McDowell's cannons and muskets, they don't seem so quirky anymore. Maybe like he knew... Uh, hey, I, at some point I should probably defend myself if something bad happens to me. Or maybe I just create this imagery by dressing like Andrew Jackson and being a tough and, you know, kind of a rough and tumble type dude and then having all this firepower behind me and maybe a big ominous military looking building that I'm going to teach medical school students in. Yeah. Um, Why may- does he have cannon on the roof? Yeah. <laughs> maybe that will dissuade people from ever trying to come out, you know, and, and do something. About it. But now he's he's being known as the infamous Mad Dr. McDowell. Okay, he's stealing these dead bodies. His students are being forced to experiment on them. Uh, they, like you said, though, Dad, they're never actually caught. They were nearly caught once, but another Doc McDowell quirk popped up and saved his ass here. All right, this is a great one. 
uh, Kahuna, you're not prepared for the weird left turn this one's about to take. And I, I think you're I, I... <laughs> okay. So this great Dr. McDowell we're talking about, the guy who dresses like Andrew Jackson, the guy who's ordering you to dissect a dead body, even though it's illegal, the guy who's, you know, hiding dead bodies all, you know, all around his school and stuff like that. Um, he's over there and he tells you, he goes, you know, I almost got caught with a dead body once, but wouldn't you know it, the spirit of my dead mother told me where to hide. Well, yes, you're correct. <laughs> his The spirit of his dead mother showed up and appeared to him and told him where he could uh, hide. And where to hide the body, I guess, in order for him to not be caught. So uh, a very weird quirk over here. Uh, he gets a hiding spot and a getaway because of that. Now, the mob that had come for him was the family and friends of a girl that Doc McDowell had had as a patient who had passed away. Doc had then – the girl dies, unfortunately. Right. He's unable to save she her. She was a patient. She was alive, breathing, mm -hmm. a patient, but sickly. She goes to see Doc, Dr. McDowell. He tries to cure her. Things did not go well, and sadly, she passes. So then McDowell, as most doctors are, um, they are emotionless, but they also care. They have to be emotionless to be proficient at their job because if you get wrapped up in every little thing, you're going to be a, an empathetic mess. So the doc's sitting there, and he just goes, you know, I wonder if, I wonder if this is what she died from, and maybe if I can confirm that. I can look for that in future cases moving forward. Hey, let's go dig up the body of that dead girl so we can check something. Oh, good Lord. Yep. Yeah. Doc me, McDowell digs up. Let me up. dissect her to find out what truly did take her. Mm -hmm. So what is now absolutely common, if Kahuna drops dead immediately here, um, autopsy is going to happen, right? You know? Uh, right. Yeah. It, that, that's absolutely. And people sit there and wait for the results of an autopsy now. Not back in the day, man. No. No, not Again, back in you're the cutting up the body, then that would prevent that, that them from entering uh, heaven. Yep. So now you're finding out, if you're the parents of this girl, that the doctor who was unable to save your daughter is now also digging up her dead body after the exhuming her body, being a resurrectionist, you know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> right. I love that fucking word. Oh, it's good. It's going to be uh, – <laughs> that's going to that's gonna have a, a well, recurring place on here. Better ring than body snatcher, don't you think? Sure does. Fits better <laughs> on a business Robert. card. Yeah. Burke and Hare, Resurrectionists. So. Fun fact, the last movie John Landis ever directed. Really? Yeah. Burke and Hare? Mm-hmm. Wild, man. Oh, that's a, I'm going to have to check that one out, man. But uh, it's a wild story here, and it's only going to get a little bit wilder. Uh, the fever pitch of this mad doctor McDowell in St. Louis is going to hit when the wife – this is my favorite story, Dad. You know the one we're about to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, wife. Before you jump into that one, though. Um, he was able to hide because they came looking, looking for the bodies. And you know, according to McDowell, he was warned of that by his dead mother's mm -hmm. spirit. And what he did was actually go down into the, um, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, the autopsy room or where they were cutting up the, the cadavers. And he hid on one of the slabs and pulled the sheet over him when we <laughs> When the mob came in, when the mob came Nobody in. Nobody in here but us dead bodies. Yeah. They saw they saw somebody laid out on the table with a sheet over him. They figured, well, that's just another one of his uh, his bodies. And it turned out that was McDowell himself just uh, just hiding uh in that in that facility. So Good God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good place to hide. I'm glad you interrupted for that one because that's important. <laughs> All right. Again, I feel like the listeners at home are getting it. This guy's a character. So now this is going to be that weird fever pitch we're going to talk about, much like uh, the events of the uh, epic war of Troy. Uh, it's, it's over a woman. All right. 
the fever pitch uh, of the mad doctor in St. Louis hits when the wife of a prominent German-American businessman, this is the wife of a German-American businessman in St. Louis, will disappear near the site of McDowell's Med School. So the same way you were just talking about right. how kids wouldn't want to walk in front of the school by themselves. Oh, the body snatchers might get you. They might right. pull you in there. They're going to walk across the street. Yeah, yeah, you'll never be seen again. Right. Right. So this woman is now walking uh, late at night. Uh, not late at night, actually. I can't confirm what time she was uh, uh, walking, but she is walking uh, near the site of McDowell's Med School when she disappears. Yeah, she was less seen walking near the McDowell uh, College. Yeah. Um, this is the same place that was disposing of dead bodies that had been found because they found dead bodies being disposed of. They never found them in the care of, if you will, or the possession of uh, Doc McDowell and his students. But they did find disposed body parts in the back. So definitely some there's some butcher shop mentality to this as <laughs> yeah. well. You know. Um but anyway, so she disappears around that same area and uh, everybody knew that McDowell was doing this. Just nobody had been able to prove it yet. Fun thing about mobs is that uh, they don't need proof. Mobs just kind of do whatever mobs want to do. That's right. Mob rule. Yeah. So that's why when you watch a mob, something happens, you know, some sort of a mob or a riot or anything like that, you have to sit there and be like, well, I, I, I want them to be right. I hope this is right. But I mean – I'm not sure. Let's get the full story here because they probably should have gotten the full story on this one before this mob assembles. The mob and the med school will go to a standstill. Yeah, cannons, but uh, again, he's got cannons on the roof. He's got med students that are protecting their their school. Um, so they're armed. The, the med students are now armed with the They've gone from muskets. Fight Club to Project Mayhem. <laughs> That's right. Continue. <laughs> and um, – um, you know they're they're ready to uh, do battle with uh, with this angry mob that are looking for the for this missing uh, German wife and luckily the the police come in and, and break things up but the police take away all the uh, students and put them in jail for their own safety not because they were under arrest but just they put them in jail so that the mob couldn't get to them kind of a thing and. Um, there's a whole big uh, standoff, and McDowell allows the husband of the missing wife to enter the school and go. You know, he's just like, go ahead and search. But at, at this point, I with think, a police escort, the right, police with, are now walking around the. You know, so, and he stands down. The but it's hilarious too because he stands down. Um, there are rumors, by the way, that he was relieved for this because he had actually gone to the police about it. He goes, guys, I'm not safe right now. Things are getting intense out here in town. Right. Um, but then in public, he goes, he goes, and we're going to stand our great. He's going full Andrew Jackson in public and then behind the scenes, like, you guys got my back, right? <laughs> right, Look, right. Can I please get a little help? I mean, I pay your salaries. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, it's getting wild here. And uh, let me set this one up because I, I was pretty happy with my, my verbiage on this one. Um, a fight that could have involved pitchforks, torches, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, cannons, muskets. I mean, nothing is off limits. The police will shut things down and the angry, angry mob will leave after Doc, Doc McDowell, allows the husband to search the medical school with a police escort for his wife's body. And dad? Yeah. They found her. They found her. Uh, not there. <laughs> no, no. She was. Uh, they found her in Missouri a couple of months later. Um, <laughs> yeah. What kind of, I mean, what was she up to? Uh, she was found and she was found alive and she was also hang found on, alive. Hang on, hang on, hang on. She's alive? She's alive. The, but she's dead. She disappeared in front of the med school that has the body snatchers. Nope. Uh, she just did the skedaddle and she was found alive with another guy. 
by the way, not just any guy, literally described in historical texts as a more handsome man. A more handsome man than her husband. That's got it. Yeah, that's really what hurts the husband. He goes, yeah, not sure. only my wife left me, but everyone has to admit that this guy's just way better looking. Yeah. Can't someone be like, you know, from some angles. <laughs> really? <laughs> he had redeeming qualities. But that's Doc's idea of spiritualism. This is what's going to make him very remarkable here too. Um so th- he's literally almost had a riot take place where they probably – an angry mob was going to descend upon him. And if they had their way, if you got them into a fever pitch, would not be shocking, especially for the times, for uh, lynching to take place, you know, uh, and, and for the, the the mob to feel completely justified Absolutely. in doing so. Um, but Doc's got these – he's a little religious too, man. He's big on this thing. We've talked about it uh, – more specifically, we talked about it on our great Houdini episode we did with uh, the uh, the immortal uh, uh, Sianci boys, <laughs> Anthony <Yeah>. and Bill. <laughs> Um, but uh, in the Houdini thing, we talked about spiritualism. And just as a brief, brief recap, you know, when you think of spiritualism, what do you think of? Well, the spiritualism was, again, that was uh, the zeitgeist of the times too. Good word. There was, uh, <laughs> this whole thing going on uh, across the country. And we did another lose reception with Mary Todd Lincoln, who was uh, um, very much into the spiritualism. Mm-hmm. And the Fox sisters from upstate New York were the ones that really started this whole this whole uh, spiritualism kind of a thing, and would later turned out to be a, a hoax. But uh, you know the the ability. Those who we have new listeners, so those who don't know the the Fox sisters, I believe it was they could do. Um, there was a tapping thing that they could um, say that they were communicating with the spirits, and then I think they were double jointed in their toes or something. Yeah, they they, they were, were able to crack their toes in a weird their way. Toe knuckles, kind of a thing, to make this yeah. clicking sound. But uh, um, Uncle Paulie can communicate with the dead too. You know what they always say. Pull my finger. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But he's, in, he's in good speaking voice in that regard. Exactly. But the, the whole thing was to appeal to people who had – it's always grief that in the spiritual world that gets uh, um, exploited. Right. And an uptick to uh, – an uptick in hard times where there's you know vast amounts of, of lost spirits, if you will. Oh, yeah. Disease, uh, wars coming wars, and brewing right, here. Uh, right. it, it's – the idea it's hard death is hard for anybody and but, yeah and medicine at the time too is is you know undergoing this whole big turmoil that you got one one side of the medical field thinking it's all about the anatomy and the other ones it's well it's therapeutic versus you know the old 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 timey uh, folk medicines type of a thing so there's a whole big mishmash of things that Surgery? Why don't you just put leeches on it? Yeah, put leeches on it, or uh, put a little moss on there to take, you know, just to take the the poisons out. There's just a really hyper dentist saying, "Have you thought about taking cocaine for it?" Yeah, and that's a big one too uh, um, uh, for the time too. That that was there was very few pharmaceuticals, if you will, that that would uh, be able to take care of some of these things. But anyhow. Um, you know, Doc was very much into that whole spiritualism thing too. That uh, you know, he's communicating with his dead mother. He's um, um, he's he's on the edge of a lot of <laughs> a lot of different things, um, and he's he's got some tragedy. With I was going to say, the family. grief thing comes in there. Yeah, go ahead. No, it gets uh, exploited, like you said. Uh, the, the, the grief thing's definitely a part of that. Doc's ideas of spiritualism are pretty remarkable. He and his wife, uh, by the way, he does get married. He's not able to marry his first cousin, unfortunately. So instead, he marries his uh, mentor's uh, and former professor slash mentor's daughter. So for some reason, he has a thing of uh, guys he admires. He wants to marry their daughters. Right. So, um, oh, good genes. I guess so. Um, <laughs> but uh, he and his wife that uh, they wind up getting married. They will have ten children in total. 
uh, one of his children sadly passes away. Not uncommon for the time, right? But right. the grief of losing a child has to be, I mean, un- I can't even imagine it. Uh, and Doc chooses to bury her via another vision from his dead mother. The dead mother appears and says, you have to bury her and give her a container with um, alcohol to preserve her body. Right? Yeah. So he creates this whole, I believe it was a copper tube kind of a thing filled with alcohol and puts, and the daughter I think was 14 at the time. So she wasn't an infant. She was, right. you know, she was a 14 year old. Uh, and the key being that at 14, she'd be able to communicate with them from, be- that's the whole thing they're looking for in the world of spiritualism. Can we communicate from beyond the grave? Right. So you want to make sure that, cause you, there's a finality to a, a Christian burial, Right. So if you have this newfangled way of burying your daughter in a uh, container of, uh, you know, being preserved with alcohol, then the idea that maybe you can still communicate with her, maybe she can come back, you don't know. There's a little pet cemetery type thing going on with it. It's creepy. Yeah, but he's also, this is a guy that was cutting up bodies, is now trying to preserve his own daughter's body by by putting a little bit of a double standard there, Doc. Absolutely. And not only putting her into alcohol, but he's also putting her into what would later become known as Mammoth Cave, which is a national park right now. And that Mammoth Cave, why? Because um, within that cave, there's a constant low temperature. They seal it up. um, And that whole idea of putting that body in in the cave to preserve it um, was a heavy influence on uh, Mark Twain with uh, some of his writings. Uh, Mark Twain was inspired by old Doc McDowell, and actually there's a character within the adventures of Tom Sawyer that the character Dr. Robinson, uh, Mark Twain, used uh, McDowell as, a, as an influence, if you will, <laughs> on the character of uh, Dr. Robinson in the adventures of Tom Sawyer. So, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's making influences on a lot of different people in a lot of different places. But um, sure is. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not cutting up his own daughter, though. Well, that's an interesting thing to, to argue about here. So now when you have a reputation that Doc has, uh, you're going to have some people that want to dig up your dead relatives to see how you like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, between constant threats of that and then also urban legends that were surrounding the mad doctor. Because uh, there were constantly he was dealing with this fear that uh, people in the town were saying, well, dude, we should go – Either they hated him and they said we should dig up the body to, you know, torture him the way that he tortured us. Uh, there's other people that are like, you know, it would be a hilarious prank if we were able to – and then there had to be some idiot who – by the way, uh, what what would you name the shot if you did a shot of the alcohol that was taken out of the- <laughs> It's got to be a- – I don't think it's sipping alcohol. I think, Kevin, I think that's more of the rubbing on kind. Yeah, it bombing fluid. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but uh, – yeah, it's a Irish car bomb, um, but it's uh, he's there's fear for that, and then eventually he winds up caving in and saying, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to just go ahead and give her the traditional burial. They give her that uh, in part for her safety, and as a spiritualist, that kills Doc a little bit because he knows you know, this is I'll never get this communicated. It's the closing of that door, uh, as unrealistic as the door was. It's the closing of it that makes it a little bit morbid and somber. So. For all his grace and good medical work, though, McDowell finds himself uh, – well, I'll tell you what. Before we wrap up with this one last crazy detail, which uh, Kahuna had to step out real quick because uh, he has a meeting with um, – uh, he's actually working on a film. I don't know how much of it we'll have to say. But uh, 
It's not mine. He shot shit for me yesterday. But uh, <laughs> but uh, anything else you want to say on the way out before I get into the story about what he gets into, uh, what his new his government position is going to be? Yeah, well, just a, um, again, the timeline, we're antebellum, um, which means that we're pre-Civil War. So a lot of this whole thing hit a fever pitch at this particular time with the spiritualism and all new um, religious beliefs are spring up or religious sects, if you will, are, are springing up. Uh, strangely enough, a lot of them came out of the same place that the, the Fox sisters with this whole rise of spiritualism out of upstate New York. But Because uh, there's nothing else to do up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, but... Um, um, Give them a football team. We yeah. keep telling you. <laughs> You know, there, there's uh, there's some wild times going on here right now, and um, it's going to get a little bit wilder for um, the good Dr. McDowell. Okay. Think about it. Go through your notes on anything here because it's probably what we're ending on because I don't know how we can bring the ship back once we cover this detail. No. Uh, we told you guys you were going to figure out where you drew the line on him. I think a lot of you probably already have. It's interesting to me that a guy who's known as the, the mad doctor, uh, a grave robber, a resurrectionist, depending on what you want to call him, uh, there's a, a wide – Variety of opinions on this guy. Uh, but for all his grace and his good medical work, old uh, Doc McDowell finds himself now being named the Surgeon General. Yeah, that's right. The Surgeon General. You know the guy who tells you about cigarettes? That's right. The, guy the Surgeon that, General. The best doctor in all the nation, or at least the, the spokesperson for medical mm-hmm. things uh, throughout the uh, entire nation. The Surgeon General. You know the guy who tells you not to take Ambien and operate heavy machinery? Yeah, that guy. Um, be a great job if the country well, that also was, puts the warning on cigarettes and also puts the warning on alcohol. But if you're pregnant, don't don't drink alcohol. Well, no, there's no warning. You just don't drink alone. So you know, if, <laughs> if you're feeling lonely, get pregnant. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm allowed to say that because I asked mom one time uh, if my biological mother might have drank while uh, uh, she was pregnant with me, and mom just goes, "I mean, yeah, probably." Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, Got treated like a rental car. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he gets this job as the Surgeon General. And uh, oh, one tiny detail I left out, folks. It was for the Confederacy. Oh, yeah. Surgeon General of the Confederacy. Yeah. So he doesn't get the job, the big top job, top job being the United States. He gets the one for the, the Confederacy here. Now, if that country had worked, and by the way, that's such a fun history debate to go down. At what point do you think the South would have finally gotten rid of slavery if uh, it had worked out? Would they still have it? I mean, would, would would they have crumbled themselves? Would they have asked to join the Union again a couple of years later? Yeah, there's there, so many there's what ifs. There's a million great what ifs yeah. on that one. But here's the what if for our story. If the Confederacy had won the war and been able to maintain their own sovereignty, he would be the Surgeon General of a new country. He'd also be the first one ever. And by the way, kind of cool that the first president is also a guy that went to the same school as him. An old transy in Transylvania College, <laughs> Lexington, go. Kentucky. You're learning good stuff out there. But uh, his medical school will actually get taken over by the Union during the war and eventually will be burned to the ground. It was used as a prison originally for uh, troops. For Confederate uh, prisoners of war. Indeed. Yeah, and you know again, why? Because he made it look like a fucking garrison. And like, you know, we could do with it this was, place. Yeah. <laughs> And, and Missouri was a, you know, a border state. So there was a lot of back and forth. There was a, a huge population on, on both sides of uh, – both sides of the Civil War um, in Missouri, but um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was taken over by the Union forces. It turned into a Confederate uh, prisoner of war thing. It was burnt down. Um, you know, there's all kinds of uh, 
um, folklore or, or uh, spiritualism within within that confines about how many people died there, how many people got cut apart there. That you know, there's ghosts aplenty uh, within uh, the hollow halls of uh, McDowell College. Uh, yeah, that's got to be. I'm glad that building's not still standing. I feel like it would have a, uh, a haunted hill type thing going on for it, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of a Bates Motel vibe. But uh, Doc McDowell's, uh, he will later actually uh, return down there. He goes back to his medical school. He's trying to rebuild the school. And unfortunately, he winds up dying in 1868 amid efforts to do so. So he never gets to open his medical school up again. This post where he, you know, he picked the wrong side, you know. Um, but what was he going to do? Go against uh, his, his country and, and turn down a job that could be potentially extremely lucrative. And also, I'm sure he wasn't super thrilled with uh, the U.S. government on account of uh, how little it often seemed to help him when the townspeople were ready to wring his fucking neck. But uh, depending on who you talk to, is this a man of science that was burdened by the constraints of the time, via the moral fiber of uh, Judeo-Christian values being forced on him and uh, in, in halting his progress? Uh is this guy just a grave robber that has no decency and no ethics whatsoever? So it's the ethical arguments here. But the more I read about him, the more I decided I think it's a little of column A, a little bit of column B. Anything else you want to say on the way out, sir? Yep, that's about it for uh, good old Dr. Joseph Nash McDowell. He was a good one, man. And if you guys enjoy the show, which I hope you do, please support us over. Uh, you can get the bonus uh, Patreon episodes over on Patreon like we talked about here ad nauseum. I do put out free stuff. I try to put them out every Tuesday. Sometimes I can. I uh, I work three jobs, okay? <laughs> someone's got to clean the beer lines. Someone's got to tell the dick jokes. But someone's also got to write the podcast. And I can't just lean and put it all on my father here because he's got to be painting his new house, all right? <laughs> you know? And uh, the coon's got some stuff going on. Uh, I'll have more updates about when the album's coming out soon. We shot some more stuff for it, the opening uh, sequence and everything. Kahuna did a wonderful job for it. We, uh, we shot it at a very special very particular place um you know it's it's anybody who knows about the show knows where uh uh, the the album that i did knows where it was uh recorded and filmed and uh, it's going to be a a big part of it and i'm very excited about that it's a little bit of a childhood dream come true you can check me out over at at kp burke sucks over on instagram check me out at kp burke over on facebook that's where i'm writing most of the jokes and stuff like that doing shell updates which reminds me this friday and saturday i will be at governors in long island featuring from my friend the great lynn coplets uh, in January, I got some dates coming up. I think it's January 6, 7, 6, 7, 8. Uh, yeah, 6, 7, and 8, I want to say. I think that's uh, – I'm going to be storming the Capitol <laughs> building. Uh, <laughs> no, January 6, 7th, and 8th. That's a Thursday, two Fridays, two Saturdays. I'll be with my great pal, the great, the wonderful – he's really one of the funniest guys in comedy, Mike Cannon. We'll be over at the Creek in the Cave in Austin, Texas. And then I'll be back down in Tampa at the Side Splitters, baby. I'm back, all right? It's been a couple of years. Bobby brought me down there a few years ago. Lynn's bringing me back now. So what does that say about me? It means I haven't developed into a headliner. I'm still a feature. But no, it'll be a great time to see everybody down there. I had a blast going through there uh, the last go around. The podcast has only grown since then. Uh, Lawrence Patrick, anything you want to say to the listeners at home? Uh, I just uh, just ask for a second opinion next time you're at the doctor's office and yeah. he prescribes, uh, you know, lie down and just relax. It's... <laughs> Well, it could be worse. It could be that other doctor we covered that jams an ice pick into your head and says, let me know when you feel better. <laughs> yeah. But this was a damn good one, guys. Uh, that was the mad doctor, Joseph McDowell, American Loser. An American Loser, the day I was born. An American Loser, the day I was born. An American Loser, the day I was born.